You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe and sane. Welcome to the very long-awaited and hopefully not massively overhyped episode on money and personal finance. We made it! Show me the money! No, I'm not going to... I'm not Jerry Maguire. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but we made it. We are here at episode 165, season two, episode five with Melly Lee, my dear friend, who has returned back to the podcast to talk about all things money. Now, Melly is my friend, and we've actually been having a lot of really great, transparent, helpful, strategic conversations about money for quite a while now, and um, want to bring it to the airwaves because this is very deeply personal in all of our lives, as you guys might have heard in the previous episode when I talk about wedding culture. It affects so much of our relationships with others, our relationship with self, and there's a lot of education that has not been provided to a lot of us. Um, a lot of financial literacy that we do not have is very new to me still. I'm learning a lot every single day on purpose because I didn't learn that at all when I was younger, growing up in school in any of the institutions. There's a lot of taboo that still surrounds this very deeply personal topic. So we want to demystify some of this. We want to share what we know, share our challenges and stories and journeys, because I think between the two of us who have very different personalities and relationships with money, that there's something relatable for anybody out there. Um, and yeah, so we hope that it's really helpful and can give some food for thought and some motivation for people to get out there and become financially literate themselves and to heal their relationships because it's not just about knowing things on an intellectual level. There's a lot of emotion and um, you know deeply entrenched beliefs and yeah, problematic programming that we might have had growing up. So we're just going to put it all out there, be very vulnerable and open with our relationships with money to share with you and to help somebody out and pay it forward, (laughs) pay it forward. So as we know, Melly is an incredible photographer. She has a background in freelancing in the creative universe and now works for a tech company full-time. I went from full-time to freelancing, you know, so we get to share the that universe. She's also a blogger, very articulate, very great writer, a deeply staunch introvert, as opposed to my crazy extrovertedness. So I'm just really happy that she was open to sharing all of the, her brilliance and all of her um, experience. Not all of it. We, we cover as much as we can. Hopefully this helps you. And I hope that you enjoy this episode, episode 165 on personal finance and money with Melly Lee. Yeah. Came in 88 with a dream of so bright eyed. They knew right away, sink a swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting the teeth on the move. Nobody's Welcome back to First of All, Melly Lee. Thank you, Minji Chang. How are you? I'm good. It's Sunday. Yes, it is. A, a beautiful Sunday in SoCal where everyone else is like, snow. We're like, no. Okay, we sound so rehearsed right now. We do, we do. <laughs> But it is a sunny day in SoCal, so I'm I, I'm actually very grateful for that. Um, you were climbing rocks. 
I was doing yoga on a beach. Are we like the, were, were those LA girls? <laughs> I mean, we, did, question, did you get brunch with mimosas? I did not. So then am I excused? Yeah, same here. So we're good. We're good. We're okay, ourselves. we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay, we're, we're us. Yes. Authentic, truthful. Awesome. Thank you for coming back. I'm really excited to have you back and to talk about a very long-awaited subject on this show. <laughs> we're talking about money. Are you excited? I'm excited. Does doing this podcast include money? Do I get money? <laughs> I mean, I will give you value in other ways, but I promise I will bring money your way. But for full transparency to all listeners, no, there was no money's exchanged for this podcast. Also, exposure does not pay my bills, Minji Chang. Very true. And we'll get into that because we have we, we can talk about payments. Um, but yeah, everybody that has been tuning in to first of all, for any extended amount of time knows that this this topic I've wanted to talk about for a very long time and yet didn't like make the, I I don't know if, I I don't know if I need to call myself out. Like I didn't make it a priority or I just like felt so intimidated by the topic of like, what the hell do I say? And who do I talk about it with? Mixture of reasons. It hasn't happened until now, but we're doing it. And so I'm very, um, I'm proud of the fact that we've arrived here. And I'm actually really, really excited, Melly, that it's you because you and I as friends have talked about money pretty extensively um, over like how long is, I mean, you've, we've helped each other. You've helped me. I don't know if I've helped you. I don't want to presume. I think we're both helpful to each other. It's a very symbiotic relationship. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I feel very validated. Um, but you know, you've been on the show and we've talked about friendships and we talked about, you know, learning how to like ourselves, but this is a very like nitty gritty topic. And, um, I know for, it's a loaded thing and we're not going to cover everything today. So just putting that as a disclaimer, but just to like kick things off, you know, we, you and I have both grown as professionals. How would you describe your professional background? I guess like that's an easy starter, right? Like, what do you do, Melly? How do you make a living? The Mm -hmm. easy summary is that like, and I think I have like a very unique perspective on this because the Mm -hmm. first like post-college, like the first eight years of my career has been entirely freelance. So mm-hmm. that's like going from the gig to gig market, figuring things, out, figuring things out in terms of insurance, accounting, keeping everything else afloat. And luckily, like the last almost three years now, I've been um, fully employed by a tech company. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it that contrast has such like a weird vibe to me because going from like, oh, I don't have money. I don't know when I'll get money. I have to get money to like, oh, I can count on getting like a paycheck every other week okay now what do I do with this money and also like do I still want to do my other side projects do I want to like buy a house do I want to like oh wait I'm supposed to have kids and pump out two and a half kids and have a a house with a picket fence and a dog and SUV yes so see like already right right out the gate it's a very loaded topic because money is such a I mean, it's a literal and figurative currency of like this, how we are able to conduct our lives. And it's funny because you and I have completely switched places where I, right out of college, was working for different companies. I worked for a nonprofit. Then I worked for a tech company in San Francisco. And then I I was running a nonprofit and getting paid a salary from that. But now I've actually entered your, your, your original world, which is now I'm freelancing and living the lifestyle you just described, which is I don't know when my next gig is. I need to like create stability out of a very unstable income stream. 
and with all the same questions as you, right? Like, where do I go from here? What's my trajectory? How do I want to like manage all this? Do I want to settle down? Should I, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So those are just for a baseline for everybody listening, that this is our two very unique and opposite approaches, but with some level of experience in each other's world. So I'm really curious, Melly, because I... I don't think I've, I've really, really talked to you about money as you are now in your tech job, but I haven't, you, you gave me some insight, but like, I haven't picked your brain that much about your um, freelance life as much as now, because you're in a much more stable place. I just realized yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, like, I didn't realize it too. Like the whole, like we're actually having a very flip dynamic because when I was mm-hmm. freelancing, I mean, like doing photography as well, like that's not a cheap <laughs> that's not uh-huh. a cheap career to get into whatsoever. It's a lot of, it's like, Oh, cool. You can write off gear, but your gear is also thousands of dollars. And how, <laughs> how often are you picking up, especially early in your career, like thousands of dollars per gig. Right. Um, so it's interesting because like we're flipped because I was started off just doing freelance and not knowing how to like sell myself, not knowing how to manage my money and just mm-hmm. figuring it out. And then being on the flip side, like having come from stable income in a way, I, 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 again, I don't also don't want to assume, but it's also, I would, I want to guess that you probably had a sense of how to use your money more so versus like, uh, versus, versus my younger self in, in my twenties. You'd think. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, very ge- <laughs> that's very generous of you, Melly. <laughs> I well, love, I love you for that. Thank you for giving me that grace. But um, I mean, I just respect yes, but- and looked up to you. You know, you're just so amazing, and you have it all together. And uh, isn't isn't that what 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 it means to have our stuff together, grown ups? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's all a mirage. It's all a mirage. Is what this podcast is here to. It's here to pull back the curtain, really, and expose. Nobody has it figured out. And uh, yeah, no, I'm very flattered that you think so highly of me, but I've uh, truthfully, maybe that's why I've had such a hard time broaching the subject of like, what do I, how do I even begin to explain this journey with money? Because I've had a very messy, inconsistent, chaotic financial journey. That's the best way to describe it. I've been very, very fortunate and, um, you know, I, I'm a hard worker. I'll give myself that. But in terms of the choices I've made and, and the, the strategies I have or have not employed and the systems I have not implemented until like my 30s, it's been pretty chaotic. It's been pretty like, let's just figure it out as we go, which like we'll get to that point where we give the practical advice. But that's not what I would advise my younger self at this point. But that's how I have lived just to be open girl, about that girl we make we make mistakes every single day until we, we don't we do we do and luckily like this i'm really grateful that i'm in a place where i have friends like you where we talk about money more openly because there has been so much there's a lot around even talking about the subject so i'm curious like as we are talking about our foundational um entrances into like being grown adults and making money and then managing that money you you started off as a photographer. So let's start even with school, right? Like, so when you you were studying at UC Irvine and you were, what was your major and like, what were your plans at that point when you're in school? I mean, typical Asian kid, right? Um, bio and math. Yeah. Bio was the first one. <laughs> that didn't work out. We tried to apply to mathematics. That didn't work out. Took a year off school. Ended up in studio art because I didn't want to have student loans. That was a big thing. I think we were entering the 2007, 2008 recession. Mm-hmm. And we got a notice, we got a notice by email that our tuition was going to go up by, I think, 30% by the end of Jeez. next year. 
And then mm-hmm. I did the whole like AP program and stuff because, oh, we got to we gotta be really smart and really prep for school. So I had a bunch of GEs already covered and mm-hmm. not knowing what was, I was going to do because I thought I was going to be a doctor. That didn't work out. Engineer, that didn't work out. All right, artist. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Tuition's going to go up. I have an idea. Let's do everything all at once and cram it in so we can finish college on time while wow. taking a year off so I won't have student debt. Wow. Um, that's wild. That's so different. Mel, you're you're my college experience, like right out the gate. And that's why I'm so curious about everybody's point because wherever, when, whenever your entry point was, and everyone, not everyone goes to college, but a lot of people that we know in our cohorts, like a lot of people went to college, did university or some, some version of that had some level of debt to deal with. And like, it seems you're very conscious of that. I just want to point that out. Like I respect you because, well, I graduated right when that was happening. Cause I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. So I was graduating. I was supposed to graduate 2007, but I, I stayed another year cause I had taken a semester off dealing with my abusive relationship. And then I spent some time uh, studying abroad and I really want to do that. So I was late to graduate technically. And that's when like shit was hitting the fan for you. Like you're, it was like happening in the middle of college. Sounds like for you, where you're getting this email saying your tuition is going to go up 30%. Yeah. How do you, so were you, were you on student loans? Were you doing student loans or any sort of like, um, and you don't have to answer anything at any point. If I'm answering, asking something that's too personal, you shut me down. Um, but were, were you taking out students? Cause I was, I was taking out loans that I had no idea what I was doing or getting myself into when I was like 18, 19 years old. No, I took out, I, ne- I never took out a loan on anything. Um, wow. I mean, also just to, like, to be clear, like my parents, like they were like immigrants from, from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, they came to, they came to the States, I think like sometime in high school. So they were also educated in the United States and like they use what they can to like come up to a pretty decent middle-class spot. Mm. Um, but they ingrained it to me at a very young age that debt is bad. Nope. Mm. And, and just the best thing to do with your money is just don't spend it, hoard it. <laughs> wow. Um, so like just growing up as a kid, like every, like every Chinese New Year, by the way, it's Chinese New Year soon. Um, <laughs> like every time I would get money from like Chinese New Year's, be like, oh, you can't spend it. Put it away and save it because you're going to go to college. So it's like having that ingrained at me at such a young age was always like, oh, you received money. You can't spend it on a toy or a candy. Save it for college. That's what it's for. And so everything, like a lot of times, like even if I would get money, I would have to like think about it like, oh, like I want to spend it. But hold on. No, I feel bad about this because I'm supposed to save it. Wow. Um, That's so interesting. I didn't know your parents came so young. My parents came right after they were married. So they're in their early 20s. But they were, my dad was educated here. So I think it's interesting where just like that influence of access and for us as children of immigrants, where they get acclimated to the culture here and to the systems here, right? Like, I can't imagine what it would have been like if my parents came earlier. And it's funny, like I'm starting way too late. I I love that we start at college, but I'm like, we should start at like very, very beginning because those things like New Year's money and birthday money or whatever that you can get as gifts, how you treat that, that's the beginning of our financial education, right? Like I, I was earning money doing dishes and stuff. I was like a chore kid. My dad gave, (laughs) I logged it in my diary. I got like 25 (laughs) cents for doing the dishes and I was so proud 
And now I'm like, you scammer. Like, that's very cheap labor. But um, I was learning the value of money since then, but I was a spender. Like, I, I don't remember anybody, like, commanding me or telling me that I needed to save it, per se. I think it was, like, encouraged, but... I spent all my money. Like I would spend it on candy. I would spend it on one of those, you know, those quarter machines where you get like a little toy. Mm -hmm. I was a spender. I went to the arcade. I'm so jealous of you. (laughs) (laughs) I would like my cousins would, would would throw like little quarters into those machines and get like a a stupid cheap toy ninja thing. And I'm like, I want one. Can I have a quarter mom? No, because that's a waste (laughs) of money. But that was a thing too, that I wish was like explained to me or like dissected more because instead of like, no, you can't like, instead of being just up, no, it'd be like, Hey, think about what this is actually worth. Cause then that ingrained into this weird twisted thing with money in my head of either I don't have it. And now I I crave it or I have it. and I feel bad about spending it or Uh. like, oh, I have it right now and I should spend it all right away because I don't know when I'll have money to spend again because mom will come out of nowhere and tell me you can't spend money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's intense because this is like where we derive like not only pleasure, but like happiness, right? Like you want to spend it on, I was really big on food. Like I remember spending a lot on like candy and I went to 7-Eleven a lot because we're like that generation. But I, I spent, you know, I wanted, it's like you equate that to people do, you're able to buy things that make you happy or like do things that make you happy. Right. And having a fear around money to begin with from such an early age without really any explanation, even though I do wonder like how much, I don't think kids are stupid, but you know, like as long as you're teaching your kid early on that it's valuable and that there are times to spend and times to save versus just being so like, die hard, don't spend it at all. It's really creating this scarcity mindset and like this negative energy around it. Right. Yeah. Which for me was enforced because of church. I'll be real. Like my parents didn't like, weren't super strict on it, but I was taught on a religious level. And I forget like you, if you grew up in church, you knew refill me in on that. But like my church was like, I went to a Baptist Korean church and there's always framing money as like the root of all evil. So I had a very negative connotation to money too. Still. Yeah. I mean, let's like, I mean, I mean going, going back a little bit, the whole thing about like what the value of money is, like, I feel like that's never been like defined for me mm-hmm. growing up. And even mm-hmm. now, because because even as an adult, it became like, oh crap, I don't, it's not like I don't have money, AKA I can't buy stuff, but it's also like, I don't have money. So I don't have value. I don't have worth. Yeah. Then that just eats into your head. And when you start looking at other people, and the manifestation of like what having money does, aka what they buy, what people are driving, what people are wearing, where people are going. Yeah. It just turns into this toxic cycle of like, I don't feel good about myself because I don't have money. But then if I have money, I don't know what to do with this money. And on top of that, like, like at least in my family, like t- talking about money was always such a taboo subject. Like you wouldn't talk about like, oh, how do I negotiate, a, uh, negotiate like, a raise at work or how do I get like a better, how do I get a better deal on something? Yeah. It's like you never actually talk about strategies to utilize money, but you would talk about money in terms of comparing yourself to each other. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. This is like this floor and object that like dictates my life that I don't want you to be a floor and object. I want to be friends with this thing. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And that, and it's, it's, it's a difficult thing because when you're younger, those are, those are not things that you're choosing to do. It's like your hand, you're kind of inheriting somebody else's, 
belief system, right? Like essentially first and foremost, your parents and then the environment around you, like depending on like where you grew up or where you go to school, the types of like privileges people and luxuries that people do or don't have, they invite, they, they shape the way that we're perceiving something that I can say as an adult, I think is, is an innocuous thing. It's a thing that we're putting value in and we're making it be something that it's just a thing. It's a thing like, you know, my computer's a thing, but then like we're putting value on it based on like, well, do you have a Mac or do you have a PC? And what does that say about you? Right. It's like, it's becoming this measuring stick that not everybody subscribes to, but it is really powerful. You can't like deny that. I just think it's, yeah, we're just like inheriting stuff and being shaped, but like through the ups and downs, Melly, we're learning how to discern for ourselves, but it is tough. It's like really tough because that comparison thing you you were mentioning, like, you're, you're observing how everybody else is using or how they're making or how much they're making and using that to like define yourself or I have. Yeah. yeah. Let's throw in some social media into that too. <laughs> God. Cause at least for me, like it wasn't, it was also kind of a mark, like a marker for me in terms of, if not compare, comparing myself to other people one for one being like, Oh, this person's relatively my age. Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to be there right now? Am I behind in life? Am, am I, you know, kind of like, oh, where am I supposed to be? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm in my 20s, should I be like, oh, that person just bought their own car? Should right. I be buying a new car at this age? But my old one's fine. Or like, oh, this person is living in this area now. Like, or they don't have roommates. And like, right. It just became a thing. Is like, am I behind? Am I, do I need to play catch up? Um, right. And that's hard. It's, it's very consuming. It's very like, or has been for me. I'm still working on letting that go. When I, when you talk about like, okay, I love that we're coming full circle. So when you come back, so like this, you're raised to be a saver, be really, really careful or just don't spend your money. You, debt was bad. So you were able to graduate college without debt. I had quite a bit of debt when I, I graduated college, but I'll just, again, reiterate I did not fathom the gravity of that debt, first and foremost. I didn't, because my experience using and saving and managing money at that point at 18, 19, 20, you know, my early 20s was so limited or very just like poorly guided, I'll say. You know, I love my parents, but really like I didn't get a lot of explanation, nor did I get it from my formal education at any point, really. I fell asleep in econ class, like it was videos (laughs) and worksheets. But like, I, I mean, let's, let's I be straight. Let's be straight. School <laughs> didn't, did not want us to be financially savvy as well. Like, do, did we really need to buy the latest textbook? Really? No, no, we did not. And that's why I was curious. Did you ever do anything related to money management or econ? Like, do you remember learning anything in school at any point? I remembered how supply and demand worked. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's about it. I just want, <laughs> and that's. <laughs> I mean, that, like, I it was just things where it's. I I I I I thank my younger self for being like kind of scrappy. I remember, like, exactly what I said. Like, why do I have to buy this fifty dollar workbook for this class when yeah. it's only slightly different from last year's? And yeah. then I noticed that oh, the downstairs bookstore does not have any cameras, and I just need to submit the the, uh, the answers to these questions on a separate piece of paper. So if I just visit this bookstore and just took pictures of the questions on my <laughs> cell phone camera, I don't need to pay $50. <laughs> I 
You sneaky genius. I mean, I was like, the, I was a sucker. I was like, <laughs> well, I was a rule follower. See, the funny thing is, that I'm walking paradox. Every person is. I was a big strict rule follower in certain ways that I would like feel massive amount of guilt because you know I was a good Christian girl. And the other parts, I was such a devious, manipulative like little brat. But like on that front, on the money front with the book, I was like, I paid the fifty dollars. I was like, I can't be dishonest. I have to buy it because the teacher told me. And I didn't want to be the person like, you know, if everyone else in class is whipping out their workbooks or whatever, that I'm like not doing that. So those are other like social situations that was making me spend a buttload of money that I didn't frankly have. But I was like, no, I have a loan from school. I need to spend it on this. You know, like that was my mentality at that time. Mm. Which is just, I'm like rolling my eyes. But that's well, the thing. It like added up so fast. Yeah. You carry that shit forever. So well, good on you for <laughs> taking pictures. Well, I mean, it's the fear of my parents <laughs> of like having <laughs> debt. Well, it, it, it worked out better. Like one, being scrappy. Two, mm-hmm. my parents would never let me get a credit card. Um, oh. Because they were like, no, you're going to get debt. And also spending money is bad for you. But then the idea of like, wait, it's not chicken anything. Wait, I need to get credit for future stuff. Not knowing what the hell credit is for. And I probably yeah. still don't have a good idea what credit is for now because I'm in no position of buying a house in LA. Um, but, but it's not I, only for for houses, but yeah, go on. See, I don't know anything about credit. That's the thing. I know I have good credit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's about it. But like, that's, that was another thing. There's like this, this fear that my parents instilled in me. Like I... Uh, so also during college, I discovered I like photography. But mm-hmm. to buy these DSLR cameras, they come from the world <laughs> of the internet. And the yeah. internet functions with credit cards. Right. So without them knowing, I ended up go- opening my own separate bank account. And then I got a credit card from there. But because, <laughs> but because also they instilled don't have debt, don't spend uh-huh. money, I would treat my credit card like a debit card. So I would buy my camera and then pay it off right away. And like... I really like. I really feel like a bulk of my initial credit as a as a twenty some year old was just based off. I'm going to save up and buy a camera and buy a lens and buy all these things, but always paying it off because I'm afraid. See, but like, okay, I I I hate that you lived in such fear, such mortal fear of like this this fear that was instilled by your parents. But also, I like applaud your parents because that that's good, good good on you for paying off. You want to know what I did, Molly? Do you know my sneaky dumbass? Like, oh, I can't. I have to buy the proper workbook. I was also dating somebody a lot older, a very toxic, abusive person, and I was buying this person. So I, I have a lot of shame around money. I I started working when I was 14. So I was always, I've, I'm a hard worker and I enjoy work and I like making money. I spent it very poorly right at the gate. So since I was 14, like the levels of abuse included financial abuse, which means like I gave my money away to my ex-boyfriend. Like I was a lot younger than him giving him cash monthly. Like oh my God. working an after school job. So like- it makes me so, Melly. If I could have a fraction of that money, if I put it into some mutual funds I, or something, I, like, I, 
I feel for you so much because it's cash as well, which means it's not even tax deductible. I know. And if I put that in a life insurance policy, holy shit, I'd be like, you know what I mean? So like I made some very, again, I was a child and like I was, it was a very bad situation, but I spent it very badly. And then on top of that, not only was I giving away cash since I was 14 years old, I, uh, I got a credit card when I was 18, which my parents had no, they didn't know what the heck I was doing because I was so sneaky. But like I did get a credit card and they had no objection to that. They're actually really like, oh yeah, good. You should start building credit again without a lot of explanation or actually none of like what credit means. But I had a credit card and I, it was like Citibank. I don't know if at that time, I don't know how it is now, but they're very, very generous. They gave me $5,000 credit limit for my very first credit card. Okay. Do you know how quickly I maxed that out? Because I was dating somebody really manipulative and like just dumb and like a student and not given any education whatsoever on it. I maxed out $5,000 so fast. It's ridiculous. So I was the one in debt uh, well before I had a credit card, but like, yeah, it was, I was not the, you are like the complete polar opposite of like pay everything off as soon as you buy it. And mine was like, I have money that's invisible. <laughs> like I'm making minimum payments, but I didn't pay attention to the interest. I didn't understand how APRs worked, right? Like none of that. I did not know. And so I just spent and spent and spent and spent. Oh, it was bad. My heart feels for you. <laughs> but then Thank at the you. same time, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> Why are you, can you explain? Because it's like so shameful. I'm like, oh. Well, because I think just like, like just not, knowing how to use money Mm -hmm. has kind of like really conditioned me to like not feel good about spending money even like Uh. like, even like whenever like you know if we go out to like group lunches or group dinners together like Mm -hmm. immediately if we look at a menu my eyes go first what's the cheapest thing on the menu got it you know instead of asking myself like hey what do you want to eat you Mm -hmm. know yeah that's so true and it's these like little things that i catch myself on where it's like oh well uh like I, I like oh, I love camera gear. This is always a great example. Like every time, like for instance, I've, I know there's a specific lens or, or piece of gear that I want or mm-hmm. my needed feature. Part of me never buys it because oh, like I shouldn't spend money yet. Like I, it's even though I know I'll use it in the future, like a hundred percent guaranteed. Like I will yeah. buy it. And then when I, I randomly will pick up a gig where like oh crap, I need this lens. Then I run into the issue of like shoot, I need it now shoot, I need it within X amount of time. Like I need it now. I need to be, yeah. it needs to be shipped. Now I'm paying extra for shipping or to rush it or to get it expedited. And now I'm just paying extra on it versus like, if I knew I wanted it and I had the means to buy it responsibly, why yeah. didn't I just do that? Why did I just sit on it? Cause now I'm paying the price with extra stress and extra like fees on top of that. Yeah. Oh, that's so real. I think I still, I, I, that resonates a lot with me because I think I feel a lot of the same um, anxieties and like just negativity around money because of my past decisions. Like I definitely enjoyed myself, quote unquote, but like also that came at a cost, right? It wasn't like, it was, um, it was irresponsible spending, which taught me a lot, but it, it left a mark. You know what I mean? It made an impact on like my ability to trust my own self of my ability to make good financial decisions. And that's something that I still, you like with you have been working through because 
I really don't want to waste any more time. And time is a huge component when it comes to money. It's like if we were able to make XYZ decisions earlier in life, again, like I was mentioning, like mutual funds and, and life insurance and all that stuff, or if I had understood what credit meant and what APRs are so that I can make a little bit more disciplined decisions. But that also coincides with just being young and not knowing, right? So there's there's a lot there that I think needs to get processed and reprogrammed and educated out of while we're also like emotionally working through this like grip that money can have on us, this former version of ourselves that like doesn't feel right spending money like to treat ourselves or to spend money that you do have on like the nice part of the menu that you won't even look at because you're like, I can't spend money. I have to get the cheapest thing. Like that's really real. Uh I, my heart goes out to you, Melly. I don't, I want you, you work so hard. Both of us are hard workers. I think people, no, no one walks out of, you know, school or into life intending to make poor decisions. But I think that's why I think I love talking about this with you because we're getting to the heart of a lot of things, even before we get into the practical, which we will, is to understand what these beliefs and education, like whatever form of education we did or did not get. And then our experiences, how those all kind of converge into the way we live, right? Like the way that we behave and the way that we spend or don't spend or invest or don't invest. Um, I mean, so I'm just grateful like you're so open, call, open about it. Just to call it out, like, there's a lot of fear, like a lot of fear coming in for like when you're saying numbers like, oh, APR or like interest mm-hmm. rates. Like a lot of that, like I can imagine being as being young again, it's like, what the hell's APR mean? What the, like, what, what's an interest rate? Oh, right. Like what, what, like what is compounding? What, what is all this? You know, like it's, it's a lot of information at once and without real, like real context, mm-hmm. it is intimidating. And then you kind of see everyone else talk about it and wonder like, wow, is everyone else just really smart or is this normal? And I'm dumb. Yep. And I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to like, you know, shine a light on myself. Like, I don't know anything. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> I will ignorantly go about spending and saving as I willy-nilly shall, and it doesn't actually become a productive use of money. Right. I love that you called it out because it's true. And I'll say I've put on many a front and I'm also an actress. So maybe I was like more effective with it, but I would pretend all the time. I just be like, oh yeah, totally. In my head, I'd be like, the hell are they saying? Like, I didn't know. So, and I still feel that now, but a lot of terms I get thrown around, but I love that you called it out because I think that Hopefully us airing this out, the intention is to let other people feel seen and like Melly and I are in our 30s. We're still figuring a lot of stuff out. And that's how I felt pretty much all of my 20s. So if at any point anybody's feeling like, oh, this is very weird terminology and obscure and I kind of know what that is, but not fully, you're 1000% not alone. That's the main point I want to convey. Also, you can find out everything from Google. Yes, yes. But the, the, I'll say, though, the fear part, fear around it can prevent, be a very effective block to even Googling stuff. Everything is always available, but, like, it's real. Um, but, yes, Google it. Really quick, though, I love that we can talk about this so freely. I'm honestly having the time of my life right now, but we're going to take a really quick break and be right back to talk more about money and personal finance and get into the nitty gritty. BRB.
Hey, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out firstofallpod.com or subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite platform or just follow me on Instagram because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support and enjoy the show. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lunyang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. your break Millie great I feel alive and amazing (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I'm so glad okay I love that we got to talk through our foundations our entry gateway belief systems and education into money um when it came to personal finance okay so let's go back to now you're you're starting to work as a as a young woman you're freelancing did did things get better? And then how did you start managing stuff as, as soon as you're a working woman? Can you set the stage of like, you're graduating college, no debt. Where'd you go from there? Mm, no, things did not get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of that whole, that, that, that whole scarcity mindset thing of not spending money, even when I started making like more money, mm-hmm. it, it always came at a cost. Like, like I shared with you earlier about the whole menu thing. Like, there were multiple instances throughout like my twenties where like, Hey, Melly, you probably should do something better for yourself. No, because you're being cheap because you don't want to spend money. Like, and now you're in the shithole. Like for instance, I mean, I, like, I, I, I think I have like three examples for you that have the same repeated issue where like the first one was when I I was 19, I was working out of a coffee shop. And Uh again, I did not want to come finish school with debt. So I was working full time I was living off uh, off campus and I was doing a lot of summer school because I wanted to finish school as soon as, po- as, as, soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And what did I, what I ended up doing is was, like, I wasn't able to cover all my expenses, but my dumb brain was like, Hey, you know, how you can cover all your expenses and, and pay for school. If you just don't eat because you're working at a coffee shop and you throw out pastries every night, if you just eat the pastries at work, You'll be okay. Now multiply Whoa. that by by summer school. I ended up in the hospital. That was not fun. And oh like, my, my god. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it, you you would think also I would learn from that situation. Granted, mm-hmm. I like ha- I had health insurance covered for my dad's work, thankfully. But mm-hmm. like my like just one day at work, I was like, I guess exhaustion, maybe malnutrition. 
I just ended up collapsing and my coworker found me and like her boyfriend came over, picked me, picked us both up and they took me to the hospital. Um, and right. I got, like, I just like got IV, IV and all that stuff. But you would think that I would learn from that situation of like, Hey, actually spending money on having nutritious food and taking care of yourself would is, is actually not like, it's actually a good investment in your long-term. Come on, think about it. But it wasn't something that like, I, I, I even learned from that situation. Um, well, how in my could mind, you? Well, because in my in my mind, I thought like money is limited. Don't spend it. Yeah. And hey, you're young, so health is unlimited. So that was like mm. the trade off I was thinking in my head. And even still, like after I finished college and stuff, um, I remember I picked up a job with a studio that I really wanted this gig for. But their 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 their, their budget, their rate, or whatever, it was out of state. They paid for my flight. They paid for my my rate as a photographer. Um, but they didn't provide housing. Um, and me, once again, I don't want to spend any money was thinking mm-hmm. like, okay, I have a great idea. I'm just going to fly out there. I'll rent a car and then I'll just sleep in the trunk at a, at a Walmart overnight because Walmarts are open 24 seven. And then this is like the middle of the South, which I didn't realize it gets cold there. <laughs> Melly. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But like, 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 you know, I was fine. I'm still here. But, you know, once again, like, you know, speaking about this now, it's like, why didn't you just get a hotel? Why didn't you just get like an Airbnb, a hostel, anything like anything like not just also like not even mentioning like having a good night's sleep. But like, yeah, who knows what could happen to a young female? Yeah. In the that's middle. A, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, like you think I would learn from these situations. But my, again, in my head, like, oh, you know, I'm young. I'm resilient. I can take it. Um, I actually didn't, I didn't really like start to learn my lesson until, um, this was back when I was still like living in OC, but still working in LA. Mm-hmm. So I would do that drive back and forth on the freeways and like at really weird hours, just because either I didn't want to sit in traffic or I would, uh, like, I didn't want to sit in traffic or I'd be in traffic. So it's either I would wake up at like four to get on the road by like five thirty to be somewhere by 9am. Or coming back home and be like, well, I should just hang out here because I don't want to send traffic. So I would go home at like nine or 10 o'clock. And then, well, wait, not by the time I get home, it's like midnight, but I'm going to wake up in like five hours. So the compounding of that actually took a huge toll on my psyche because um, I just started like really hating life. And yeah. I also started falling asleep behind the wheel. Um, I don't know, know if you remember my old car. Um, there was a dent on the license plate. And that was like from a situation where I fell asleep while driving and like my car tapped. Thankfully, it was just a tap, but I tapped a big truck that had one of those um, hitches on it. Oh, um, but like that was kind of like my last like wake up call. Like I can't keep doing this to myself. Um, like one of, the, one of the jobs that I was doing was like up in the valley. So I was uh-huh. doing that, that psychic psycho drive. And it's like, well, I have, like, why don't I just get an apartment in the area? Why don't I just like, you know, rent a hotel for during the week or something? Anything just to kind of not put this much strain on my body. Yeah. But just the thought of like saving money, not knowing what to save it, what, what I'm saving it for. Not like, I don't think I wasn't even investing it at that time too. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of this pointless rat race. And like, I think my friends got really concerned because I think for about two months I was doing that drive. And then I started just. Instead of eating again, I was just doing Soylent for like, like for like two months. Because I was like, I was working like up in the valley in this area that's like a food desert. So it's like, well, I only have like a 30 minute lunch break. Yeah. But there's no food around me. So either I drive out and spend 15 minutes driving somewhere to get food, 
eat it really quickly and come back. In my mind, like, well, why would I pay for food and why would I pay for gas and time? That doesn't make sense in my head. Yeah. And then, you know, the logical thought is like, oh, why don't you prepare food beforehand? Well, that would probably be a very logical thing to do if you had access to a kitchen to prep food and stuff. But when I was going in and out at weird hours, I never really got time to like shop. I never really got time to like prep food. It was literally, I would just get by time I get back home, sleep, wake up and do it all over again. Like, oh, great. Soylent. This is great. Just add water and and I don't have to do anything. How long did you do that for? Uh, About two months. I would, I'm a pansy. I would not last that long. Well, I mean, there's a number of things that are like coming to my mind as you're sharing these stories. Like, first of all, I love you, Melly, and I'm really glad you're here safe and sound with us. Um, to like, I hope you like, I just want to hug young Melly because like, oh my gosh, that's so intense. But I feel like you and I mirror intensity in different ways. Like, I think that's why we're friends is that we like when we go, we go, you know what I mean? And there's like something really beautiful about that. But it's also like, yeah, when it's unchecked and when it's kind of just like you're, you're going 110 miles an hour down a certain path, it can be really dangerous, right? Because that's a metaphor. Um, and then literally when you're falling asleep at the wheel behind a vehicle because you're sleep deprived, I mean, there's part of me that's like, oh, that's the Melly I know. She's such a hustler. She she gets it done. So I, I think you're so reliable and dependable because like when you say you're going to do something, you do it like 100%, right? Um, but then like that's the also it can be a double-edged sword because when we're doing something so gung-ho, but we're like making things that are, you know, they accumulate and that are like potentially dangerous want these decisions because, oh, you have to save money or like... So also part of just like very toxic hustle culture of like, I have to do this or like, I'm not going to succeed in life kind of thing. Like that's, I'm just so glad you're safe. And I mean, girl, if I can't, I, if I had a nickel for every bad decision I made and the lessons that I had to have repeated over to me a gazillion times before I would, you know, make the right quote unquote decision. I'd be a very rich, rich woman in that I'd have a different fund, a different income stream <laughs> if I had a nickel. Um, and if you put that nickel into something that would compound over time. Exactly. And would, you, and would give you dividends and you set your your settings in your brokerage to auto invest those dividends. <sighs> Which I'm on my path to. Thank you. Thanks to you. But these are lessons. I'm glad we're sharing them because they're so revealing of like all the different ways these beliefs in our head and these attitudes and, pra- and habits like manifest in like the lifestyle that we're going to lead, the goals that we're going to get or not get. And like the danger we could also put ourselves into because finding like getting that like scarcity mindset is really, really not only, I think it, it's, it's really, it can be marginally like partially helpful to motivate. So I'm not like trying to throw out the baby with the bathwater having scarcity mindset, but like in general, it doesn't work long-term. It's like a short-term motivation like oh shit i'm in debt or oh my god i need to make money and it can really light a fire under your butt but in terms of creating some sort of sustainable practice that you can like keep doing <laughs> that you won't endanger yourself or others and like live a healthy life and not up in the end up in the er i feel like scarcity mindset's really really it's only effective short term what do you think i actually want to say it's useless <laughs> that's good yeah most I'm being of, generous. <laughs> well, like I, I say that because what it comes down to, I guess, if you want to talk a little bit practical, it's like, what do you want at the end of the day? 
Mm-hmm. And if what you want to do is to pay down your debt, I don't think that's scarce. I think that's just knowing like, this is what I want. This is my intention and I'm going to go after it. Um, yeah. And just kind of going from there. Then it, once you know what you want, then finding out what do you actually need to physically live. Yeah. Then you can actually start auditing your expenses and building a practical budget to figure out like everything else in your life. Absolutely. I'll say from someone that is like, uh, has been in debt multiple times and in the tens of thousands of dollars, like not small amounts of debt, that that, that getting to that point of like abundance mindset of like, okay, I know what my goal is and I need to attain it. That for me at least has been a very, very, very long convoluted path. And even though on a practical intellectual level, it seems so basic and so simple and it is simple, you know, okay, you're $20,000 in debt go handle it. But then the actual doing of that, adopting that and living that for me is like, I had to suffer those lessons multiple times in my life where like, I would just keep hoping that I'll make more money or someone's wedding. I just did my wedding episode and it was, it was a lot. Like I was dealing with so much debt because I kept spending all this money that I didn't have because I was only really accounting for money that was coming in from paychecks, but I wasn't disciplining myself to like be aware of the money that I also needed to set aside to actually make a dent in my debt. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, it's like, there's so many ways and so much trickery in our brains that we can like justify or rationalize bad behavior. Cause like, I'll just be like, Oh, it'll, I'll pay it down. I'm making my payments. So I would like give myself a pat on the back that I'm making a minimum payment while the interest is accruing on my debt. So I'm barely making a dent in the actual debt, right? So it's mainly staying the same and or growing if I was like not being aggressive about it. My debt was like, it was such a heavy load that I carried two different times in my life. I've successfully paid off debt twice in my life, um, but they were really, really, really burdensome. And to like try to live my best young person life and like participate in ski trips and go to my friend's wedding and be her bridesmaid, go buy my parents, you know, anniversary gift, buy my brother a birthday gift or grad gift or whatever. Like life costs money, right? I couldn't slow that down enough and like be aggressive to address the debt. And for a number of reasons, I was so, I procrastinated like a mother on that. So like, absolutely agree with you in terms of like scarcity is is essentially useless. Um, And to clarify what I mean by scarcity mindset, like say that you have debt, what Melly is saying, abundance mindset is you're focusing on the solution and what you have to address. And you're like thinking of the positive part versus like scarcity mindset is like, I don't have money. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. You're like focused on the debt and I don't have money. I don't make enough money. Like that only exacerbates that outcome more. So there's like a difference in like, mindset approaches. But man, getting there to like face debt and to like really try to make a dent in it, it is is very, very taxing. I'll say that. So I'm really glad. I'm like so heartbroken to hear how much you like were suffering, Melly, to like avoid debt. But also really glad that you didn't <laughs> get yourself in massive debt. Like that part of me is like really relieved and happy for you. I want to give you a hug. I'm like, oh, you have such a good heart. But then why weren't you good to yourself? But then you have such a good heart. But then, ah, like it just comes from from lack of information and lack of education at at such a young age. Like Mm -hmm. 
I don't like, did your, like, did your parents ever teach you how to budget growing up? Because mm. I never learned how to budget. And when I heard the word budget to begin with, like, what is this punishment? Why are you cutting exactly. me off? <laughs> I, I'm already gig to gig. And now you're telling me I have to like slim down my, my paychecks even more. Right. <laughs> yeah. To answer your question, no, I was never guided on a budget. Um, and my mom, she's in Aries. She likes to spend. Uh, my dad's a lot more frugal. So uh, that caused a lot of conflict in my house. I'll also add that to our previous discussion on like how we were raised and stuff. My parents had friction over spending money because my mom was like, she's a she's a very abundance-mindsetted person. And I'll tell you, it has gotten her far in life because she really just trusts that the net is going to appear beneath her. My dad is the complete opposite. He's very, very frugal. He's pessimistic in a lot of cases because he's always like, you have to be prepared for the worst case scenario, which is smart, right? But like they, they had a lot of friction around it about like how money was spent, um, when and how and who and what. And so even witnessing that, I think like, again, there's, it, it further created more fear in me around addressing money. Cause it's like, oh, it's this thing that causes so much drama, right? Yeah. On top of church telling me that it's like, oh, greed is like the worst thing. So like believing that I shouldn't be materialistic and that it is the root of all evil. Like it felt just taboo in all sorts of ways. So that like when it came to me spending it, I think it just led to me. Yeah, I had a good heart. I'll give, thank you for that. That's very gracious. I was also really irresponsible. I was very like, you know, I'm making money and I'm going to spend it on what I want kind of thing, right? And at the end of that mentality, I wasn't as crazy as I could have been. I could have been worse, but I did, it, I had to pay a cost. You know, there was a price to pay, which is the debt and the stress and the, you know, at a certain point, I it caught up with me and I had to address it, which means at a certain point, I had to start sacrificing the pleasures and all the things that like I, I didn't want to forego because I was just trying to be like, you know, young, wild and free. Um, yeah, I had to cut that shit back and start budgeting. And that was like later in my late 20s, which to me, like you were saying earlier, like it felt so late because it felt like I was so behind everybody else. I was like, everybody's way more on top of this than I am. I'm like such a late bloomer financially. Yeah. When did you start taking it seriously? Was it after you were after during your freelancing or after? Probably just right in the middle of it because I got into a relationship and I learned a lot from my partner who mm -hmm. he is a lot more financially savvy than I was. And like, he also like, uh, like he did a lot for me in the sense of like giving me this really strong sense of like empowerment and like confidence Yeah, and that like, Oh, this isn't scary. This is something I can actually do. Like this is this this is like a, he made it seem very accessible to me, which in the God. past like it wasn't like I was like oh this is for people who have money I don't have money so <laughs> why do I need this why do I need this or they not budget. apply <laughs> I'm like or like budget I'm like okay I know how to budget spend money on gas spend money on rent spend money on food don't do anything else check we got it and it's like no that's not how you budget either like like granted I'll also say like when you're freelancing. Mm -hmm. Not knowing exactly how much is going to come in, like initially it is like a hard thing to like set a budget just because you don't know how much you can spend. Yeah. But I think like tracking expenses is so crucial. And if you're a freelancer and you own your business and you have to do this every time for taxes. So you, there should be a pile of receipts or credit card statements somewhere so that you know how much you're spending. Uh-huh. And just kind of actually looking at the data and such. I am in love with Excel sheets now. But having data, you're very to, good at them. <laughs> but having having data to figure out, like, okay, what on a, what on average do I spend a month in X amount of categories? 
Kinder mm. like, okay, this is how much I actually need. And then when you multiply that by 12 months, they're like, okay, this is how much my life costs per year. And then right. you can start doing like backwards calculations, like how much do I need for retirement? How much do I need for this? Or if there's a goal that I want, do I want to go spend a month in Europe if COVID ever ends? Like how much is that going to cost? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, yeah. Like all of a sudden, like a lot of things started being seemingly less daunting. Like, okay, I, I'm curious about this now. I can Google, Google this information and go down that rabbit hole. I can figure out how, like I can play make-believe like, oh, I want to buy a house here. Mm-hmm. Exactly how much, like exactly how much is the down payment? Oh, okay. Well, uh, how, if I want to throw my money in a market and let it grow to that down payment, uh, how long would that take? Oh, yeah. how, what's the bare minimum I can put per month? Okay. Maybe increase that. And you can start to play with calculations and it almost becomes a game to figure, figure things out. Right. Um, it's just a math game. Which, yeah. But like getting there, like you said, is like that path can be very long and I love that you use the word empowering because that's exactly how I felt. But again, I needed to stop judging that I was like, I can't believe I'm learning this shit at like, you know, 30 plus. I was really, really hard on myself for that because when I did the math, Melly, and I looked at how much I had wasted on like interest and do you know what I mean? And like, look back, like you're saying, right? Like looking back on the things that I didn't do, because I told you it caught, it caught up with me and I did have to get really, really serious. Um, cause I understood at a certain point, if I don't get my stuff in order, if I don't take my debt really seriously, if I don't come up with like a hardcore plan, like all these other things that I want to do, like just say bye-bye now, it's like not going to happen. Right. So when I did that, that was a moment for me. I don't know like, if you ever had that like reckoning, but I got my ass handed to me when I finally had to look at everything. And the funny thing is like, I got audited. That was actually a really, I will say that that was like the suckiest and probably essentially for me, the best thing that happened to me because I was forced to track like this one particular year of my life, which I got audited later. So it was like maybe two or it was like three years prior. I had to like look through every single expense and really categorize everything and look at how I had spent my money. Girl, that was the most humbling, embarrassing, but like sobering exercise I had to do. And I do think there was some kind of like divine timing involved because I took my auditing situation, audit situation to other CPAs, to like other accountants to like look at this and be like, is this legit? Because again, I was so like naive and ignorant about even the tax process I didn't even know. And I was like, and I was asking for help. I was like, can somebody like tell me, is this a legit audit? What did I do wrong? Why am I getting audited? Because I thought it was for like big corporations or like people who have a lot of money and that they're like mismanaging. I found out from different accounts that the reason I got audited was like very, very random and like minor. Like the three accounts I asked, all of them were like, yeah, I don't know why you got audited. Like, yeah, there's like you, you, it was like my, 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 mileage and my auto expenses. It was something really minuscule. It was like small, but they're like, this wouldn't, there's so many other things that would like flag the IRS. I don't understand like why this resulted in you getting audited, but it happened and I had to deal with it. I had to shell out an extra like 3000 bucks that I did not have at that point. Cause I did not have an emergency fund to like help me with that in a big way. But that was like my reckoning. And I had to like, look at it and then I really, really realized like I need to make massive changes because that was the second time I was approaching my, my debt again, my second debt wave. I'm so sorry. 
it's all good. I love you for being, but it was my, it was my own, it was my actions, you know? So I guess another practical tip, get a good accountant. Cause I mean, I shared this with you, like, like in personal conversations, but Mm -hmm. I had a really bad accountant because, oh, let's once again, once again, let's save money Mm -hmm. and use the same account, the same accountant as my family. And that person screwed me up. Like, I think, I, I, I hope I'm done with her now. Because mm-hmm. she essentially, as a freelancer, like I was getting a ton of 1099s. Yeah. And one particular year, she did not file a, a bunch of them. And it came back to me later where like, I guess, kind of empowering moment where I was in the process of really getting my, like, really getting on top of my finances and like saving slash investing and budgeting. And all of a sudden the accountant from hell her mistakes emerged out of nowhere, and I get a letter from the IRS saying that I owe twenty thousand dollars. Oh my god! Which I remember th- this. Yeah, which thankfully, like at that time, like, well, this really freaking sucks. But good thing I have it, like, I have it covered. Like, mm-hmm. so I was able to pay it off without, like, you know, with, without like really feeling too much, except mm-hmm. like my, my own ego being like, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but I thought I was done. But apparently, like. I think a year later, I, I got another notice that she also messed up on my state taxes. So it's like, on top of that, it's, hey, you owe this and you owe the interest for not paying it. And like, thankfully, another I got I got recently got involved with a different account, CPA accountant from another friend. And like, he's been wonderful, but he costs a lot more. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's like that. Well, why didn't you just get someone that you trusted that is more like, you know, this has has better has better credentials than this other person just because that per, just because the accountant from hell was convenient. You know, right. had I you know, like I think this current guy I pay like almost three times as much, but hey, he's takes care of my taxes handsomely. Also, he's been able to somewhat amend some of the things that the accountant from hell has cost me. Like it's not yeah. that much, but it's something. Yeah. Like, but I mean, this is like the, I think these are like the core tenets of how to be a good shopper, right? Because when it comes to spending, right, you're, you're allocating your money, which is a currency. It's a, it's a value exchange. And sometimes, yeah, like I've done so many things. How many things have I bought in my life that were like cheaply made break easily or whatever, right? Or doesn't provide the service that I necessarily need because I was looking for the bargain version. And I'm not saying that that's, I think there's a way to shop smart, there's, I still shop at a 99 cent store for certain things. I'm like, I'm not spending five times as much for like, I don't know. I get like aluminum foil. I'll get random things at like the dollar store. Cause I was like, it's a dollar here. And if I see it at like some store and it's like 499, I was like, that's literally five times as much as what I can get at the dollar store. So I'm not saying like cheap always equals bad, but like the way that we value certain things and the ways that we will or will not spend money I'm still working through that every day as a consumer, as like a person, because I've been learning the ways that I would try to cut corners in order to save money at the long run, depending on what it was, would result in like me spending more money. And it sounds like this accountant is kind of an example of that. You're doing your best to be frugal and to save money by having a cheap accountant, but that accountant costs you a lot, a lot of money by not being good at what they're doing, not providing a, a good service. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, like the money she cost me, if I threw it into a mutual fund and let it grow at 7%, fuck you. Or I could have bought another car or yeah. I could have not worried about rent for a year in LA. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I, times two uh, plus one Minji. Yeah. 
So, and we won't dwell on that, but like, <laughs> those are, those are, I think, really important takeaways because I think when we, ha- when we kind of peel back all the different reasons why it's tough to approach a, a seemingly big issue like money, like debt, um, there's value in, in just, you know, doing it. And then for me, I think what we're at in life is how to spend our money well. And that's the part that my dad in theory said to me a lot. And I appreciate that. He planted that seed in my head of like, Minji, it's not just about how you make money. It's how you spend it. That's really, really important. I wish he would have gone like a step or 10 more after that statement, but at least conceptually he, he gave me that. It's like, you need to learn how to spend your money properly. Um, and I'm also, I'm in both banks. I'm like, I'm learning how to value myself so that I make more money and I don't kill myself trying to make, you know, 20 bucks. I'd rather make a hundred dollars in that same thing. It's like figure out how I want to spend my time and energy to make more money. But then also how I spend and invest and put it away is like paramount for me now. And that's why I love talking about that with friends and with you, because I don't want it to be such a taboo subject. I don't want it to be something that's so heavy that like we can't improve. Like my goal my intention is to improve the situation, to not make those same mistakes and to build wealth. Um, so I think for me, I, I identify that I want to have more freedom with that and I want to enjoy life now. I don't want to keep only like delaying happiness because I have to save now, but then I also don't want to be so frivolous with my money that I'm not saving for things that I have to, like retirement. I never really thought about that. And I don't know if like if and when you started thinking about retirement and having that was it was it during your relationship that you started really thinking about that cuz like you're literally educating me on it now <laughs> um the I, the seed this uh, like this this the seed was definitely implanted but i think i also have a different i mean everyone has a has their own idea of retirement my idea of retirement is that i don't think i ever want to stop working but mm-hmm. my idea is that i want to i don't want to what is that phrase uh i don't want to work i don't want to work to live <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like for me, it's like, oh, if I can get to a point where like uh, all my needs are taken care of and I could just pick gigs that I want to work on with friends, with colleagues or with people I like respect and admire, like mm-hmm. that's where I would love to get to. Um, so then just, you know, it's a, it's a huge math problem in, ter- in terms of like how much do you need to have put away in savings in the market so that whatever interest you gain on that, you can just live off of that. And then yeah. the extra you make. Cool. Awesome. Like that's how- that's 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 for me where I want to get uh, get to. I love that. And can you, are you open to sharing? Like, how do you, I hate that we're already at the end of our hour almost, but like, how do you break down your budget? Do you have like a loose percentage or like, what were your, how have you been using guidelines to like squirrel away your money? Um, I'm still kind of like in this, like, I'm still working through undoing the process of having a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, because like right now I'm in a position where I front load a lot of my savings accounts or my retirement mm-hmm. accounts, which means whatever maximum amount of you can contribute per year, I dump it in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So usually the first half of my year is a very frugal time mm-hmm. um, because the idea is like if you ha- like time in the market will always exceed timing the market. Mm-hmm. So like my dad and I actually like kind of go back and forth on this. He's like, why are you putting all your money in your, in your Roth IRA? Like you should put it in little by little. And I'm like, if I dump it all now, it can sit for the whole 12 months and grow. <laughs> um, I don't want to waste time because time is the one thing that you can't get back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of work in that. And I kind of work in that sense where like, okay, I know exactly how much I'm going to dump in the beginning of each year. 
And then from there, subtract that from how much I'm going to make each year. And then doing, looking through my expenses and seeing like, how much do things relatively cost? Mm-hmm. And then, I, and that's kind of like how I build up my budget. Anything, anything outside of like my expenses, I just put it all into the market. Um, if there's this particular thing that I'm saving for, like I'll put it, uh, I'll put it into a different account to save, to save and grow. Um, granted high yield savings accounts aren't very high yield right now, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm kind of in that mindset. So like undoing, when I said like undoing that scarcity mindset, because even though I front load a lot of my retirement accounts, which should be an amazing thing, I still feel the sense of like, oh God, I don't have money. I can't spend any money. But it's like, no, no, you can spend whatever you want because you've front loaded a lot of stuff. You paid your, your future self first. So anything mm-hmm. you have now, you're allowed to spend. But I never, I still don't feel good about spending that money. And that's something that I'm kind of like, working um like right now i'm I'm practicing i'm trying to do a low buy year this year Mm -hmm. um to kind of help myself like change that relationship with money and that like no i've earned this i'm saving some and now i can spend this this is okay granted i put like following my budget guidelines like okay i can spend this much on there spend this much in here um like i should feel okay about it but i think that's just something that like is going to take time to work through um I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it too comes down to really knowing what you want and really knowing what, like what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause like for me, like my, like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a, a, a minimalist, very intentional about my things. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that is like, I know like what makes me happy, I don't need more things in my life. I more and so want chase more experiences. And then like, unfortunately a lot of my hobbies are very pricey. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're expensive gal, but I I love that you you own that. You're just like, "No, but like I make you you make it happen because that's your priority." And you're in your very dis- I just need to like applaud your discipline. Not only the fact that you're able to do that and front load, you you set the intention, you commit to it and you do it. And that's where I think like I've really struggled because I'll have all these like really lofty ideas and goals and like my execution rate is, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's getting better, way, 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 way better now. But I'll say historically, it's been pretty low execution rate. I'll be like, I'm going to do this. And then, yeah. oh, honey, we'll see. But I think a big thing is like, which I'm trying to figure this out for myself because spending money feels really good in the, in, in the short term, you know, instant gratification. Yeah. But something like, oh, like the idea of like, Hey, I can just put away a hundred bucks each week. That's fine. That's easy. That yeah. doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. You know, that will feel good like 10 years from now, but it does not feel good for right now. So I'm trying to figure out for myself, like, okay, if I put away money, what's something that I can do in the, uh, like in the now to make myself feel good about doing this? You know, what is my exchange instant gratification? Cause that's I, like, good. Like that's, that's like, what's that dopamine hit that I need to feel like, yay, I put away 50 bucks today. Like, <laughs> It should feel good. It does not feel good. Well, <laughs> so you work that into your budget though, but that's like, this is Melly Lee personified. She's constantly li- uh, life and brain hacking herself, which I think is fair because yeah, we are human. And we, I think that that's, that's the struggle that I think on a more conceptual level, I, I am totally there with you in terms of like the dopamine kick, like our body needs like a reward for doing something hard for sure. Like on that level, I'm totally with you. And on like a spiritual level and like a woo woo level, like philosophically, I 
don't know if I'm going to make it to be 80 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's mm-hmm. a part of me that as a young person, I would really like fight and battle that because I was like, bro, I don't want to spend $200 and put it away that I can spend on Coachella. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to live now. And it feels so far away. And then the older that we get and the more joints start hurting and everything like that, we watch our parents age, that reality really does start to sink in, right? So the I think the urgency for a lot of different reasons big milestones, people are getting married, their houses, all this stuff. The the reckoning comes to you in one way or another. And that's fine, but it can be hard because you're just like, oh yeah, I maybe should put some money away so that I'm not starving later on should I live to be that age. But that's it's a constant battle between what your values are and like what you define success as and what things you're willing to sacrifice and which things you want to like indulge in, right? Like everybody's description of that is so different. And I love that you own it because you're like, I really like cameras and I like creating things and I like traveling and I like the outdoors. That means it requires this much money. Therefore, I'm going to fashion my life around that. I respect that. So it's like, go on you, like spend your money. Shoot, you work hard for that. (laughs) Honestly, like your little woo-woo nymph fairy friend who's introduced <laughs> me to meditation. Yes, like, Jenny. <laughs> that's actually helped out a lot, honestly. In terms meditating? of meditating? Like, yeah. In terms of just kind of like getting really intentional about like your values and what you want. Mm-hmm. Um and also just having gratitude. Like right now I'm into skiing. Skiing mm-hmm. is expensive. Yes, it is. But even like in moments where like I have nothing to do during the day because like, like, well, I cannot go like my other thing too. Thankfully, it's strange way. Thank thank you, COVID, because I can't go outside today because if I go outside, one, there might be COVID and two, I'll be tempted to spend money. So if I stay inside, we'll stay within our budget, literally. But having kind of like that intention, like knowing like and having gratitude has been like, well, like just because you don't, you're not doing anything right now, like Mm -hmm. be thankful because in a few weekends from now, you're going to go out and you're going to be out in nature. You're going to go skiing, you know, be, having that recognition of like, oh, what like those things that you can, that those activities, those things that you can do, not everyone is able to access that, like right. have gratitude for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think all these, like the discussions and the experiences that you and I've been sharing and like going through in our personal lives, it's helped me a lot. I think be less judgmental too of other people's choices because I think there's something that like, that's a whole other mess of discussions to have. But I think I've harbored a lot of judgment and jealousy of like other people with the way that they spend their money because it was a trigger point for me to feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing this or I don't have that. Um, And it may not exactly be the exact thing that they have or they're doing, but it was just kind of like, get me into scarcity mode of like, oh, they have the money to spend money on like a Rolls Royce. Well, like that's so stupid and wasteful. I'm like, I don't know their life. Maybe their Rolls Royce is like a drop in the bucket to how much money they make because that's what they chose to do with their life. Do you know what I'm saying? Or, I'm like, or, it's I don't need- or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is not my place to like be hateful. And so I'm really checking that because that's led to a lot of my general unhappiness is that comparison thing. I'm like, good on you. And let that be a point of data for me to be like, well, what is your Rolls Royce? What is the thing that you want to like treat yourself that would make you really happy? And then I have to think on that. And then I have to be discerning and I have to really check myself because 
That's actually the beauty of scarcity. It's like if you, especially because I think the most important thing I'm realizing as being a working woman is that my time and my energy are the most valuable currency I have, right? Mm -hmm. So the ways that I'm working is to give myself more freedom, to have time, to spend with people, to travel with my family and like my parents are getting older and like all these things, right? So I want to build wealth and like security so that I can have the freedom to spend with people I love. That's something I've identified in the last like two, three years, especially because of COVID. And so now I'm fashioning my life around that. And that motivation actually helps me be more disciplined because I hate discipline. Like nobody, I don't know about you, Melly, but a lot of people don't like discipline. They're like, it's, it's a sacrifice that they have to endure to get to the other side. But do we still need to do it in a lot of cases? I think so. So the motivation, my why being clear, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll stick to this budget. And if anybody wants help, like literally just Google budget breakdown. That's what I did. I found it on Pinterest actually. And it was just like this percentage breakdown of saying like, hey, if this is how much money you have per month guaranteed or ballpark it, right? Then this is how much money you realistic, they recommend you spend. Like housing is 25 to 35% of your income, insurance, food, savings. And then so I did the math you know, exercises. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm way off of this. So I've been inching my way towards like coming to a place where I'm actually budgeting and spending my money within those budgets. And that's actually been very helpful for me because I'm like, oh, this is my playground and I'll, I'll play in it. Then yes. it makes me more ambitious. I was like, I'm going to make more money because I want yes. more money to travel. <laughs> it feels empowering, right? Because it feels yeah. like you can. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, the mentality before was like, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to look at my bank statements. Yeah. Oh my God, this is going to destroy me. And maybe it kind of, it does feel shitty the first minute because you're, it's so sobering of like, oh my God, I've just, my credit card bill is what? You know, my yeah. emergency fund is how low? But at least it gives you info. And after that first shitty feeling, it isn't, for me at least, it was very empowering because it made me like have two feet on the ground. I'm like, all right. Now it's time to handle business. Let me go handle, you know, a balance transfer for my credit card. Let me go figure out how to lower my interest rate. I'm going to call my freaking credit card company, figure out how to, you know, address this debt. It's a starting point. It's usually a shitty moment. But like after that, I was like, okay, yeah. let's go. Let's go. I mean, just like uh, as something that I wish I'd, I've done to myself earlier was just like being gentle with yourself, you know? Mm, so like, true. Just, like, like, oh yeah, you were an idiot. It's okay. We're all idiots at some point. Just pick yourself up, you know, just kind of giving yourself that grace. Like so I true. wish I was that, like, I was like that. And even with the whole like comparison, com um, comparing yourself to others and like, oh, you're a freaking Rolls Royce or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I've started like maybe in the last week, like thinking or framing it in the idea of like how I view other people is how I view myself. Oh, so, so it's like, true. so in the sense where it's like, oh, well, if I want to feel good about myself, why don't I just view people in the best light in the, in the best light? I'm like, Oh, cool. You got a Rolls Royce. Go, go you. Like, that's awesome. And yep. do I want a Rolls Royce? No. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with me. I can be happy for someone else. Why don't I just be happy? You know? And that's, a, that's honestly, it's a constant practicing. It doesn't happen overnight. For sure. For sure. But I, I think also, well, I, I'm, I can get very dramatic real quick and be like, if you scammed anybody to get that Rolls Royce, I will freaking key your car. <laughs> like, that's where I see, like I go zero to a hundred fast, but like if it's, you know, if you bought that with legitimate 
business practices and you are paying your taxes, good on you, sir or ma'am, whoever, like live your life. But I do, uh, I think I still have like the uh, inner, like a uh, girl that grew up in church where like, I just think that money and wealth equals greedy people who are willing to like hurt others. That's some stuff I worked out legit through therapy. So I'll say even on like, again, the emotion, money and all that is highly emotional, which is why in your form and whatever pace and place you feel willing to, I do think that like therapy really helped me unpack a lot of my deeply rooted emotional, um, religious and like, you know, like a lot of layers of stuff there with association of money and working on that helped me not only release those people from the prison I put them in, and it was myself too. That if I want to make more money and if I want to have a certain kind of lifestyle, that I'm not a bad person for that. I think that was a really, like you're saying, gentle on yourself. It took me many years to get to that point. I'm like, if I want to provide a good life and have good experiences with my friends and family, I'm not a greedy, disgusting, immoral person from, from my side, the way I was raised. That was a big aha moment for me. You're not immoral. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Molly. And thank you for like, honestly, just being real. I love that you and I have very different paths and there's so much more to unpack with this. And you're definitely coming back because we, we, we like, again, it's always tip of the damn iceberg. We have so much more to talk about. Um, But I hope people are empowered. Yeah, I mean, this finance is, it's emotionally charged. Then it becomes, how do you grow your wealth? And how, like, there's just, there's just a lot to cover. And if, if you don't mind me plugging something, um, my yes, partner, do. my partners, my, like for many, for many years, I've been telling my partner to like, Hey, everything you've told me and taught me, like, it's been very accessible. You should put it on a blog and he's finally blogging. So he created a blog called from zero savings.com. And he likes to communicate in memes and he thinks he's hilarious. He is um, really funny. All right. And moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the memes are really funny. I'm just going to say I, I support. And anyway, go ahead. But it's, it's a good place to figure to like, he has, he made calculators to figure out how much you should save, what you do with your money. And just like all these questions that like you and I have had in, in the past, like he's answered them on there. And, you know, I want to send people that way. Just, it's not scary to get into, involved in it. Um, he's very good on the practical stuff, but I think you and me are, are doing pretty good on this emotional unpacking of why is this scary? How do I feel empowered? How do I, not only after I feel empowered, how can I be more? How can I grow that wealth so I can spend Absolutely. more time with family? You know what's so crazy, Melly? I, th- I feel like this was woven into our entire conversation, but I want to say it before we close. I want to scream it from the rooftops because it's like the invisible elephant in the room. that we- I'm saying as a woman, I never like <laughs> identified this, this whole conversation. As a woman, I was raised in very subconscious, sub- subversive ways to not be encouraged to be financially literate. Okay. Uh, I didn't. At this end of the damn podcast, I'm so sorry, everyone. But also, like, I felt like it was just kind of a non, like, it was just included. But the difference between I have two brothers and the ways that they have been educated or just talked to and the conversations they have participated versus my life, I've had direct comparison my entire life. And I don't even think it was a conscious, intentional thing. I'm not villainizing people, but the way that I have grown up as a woman has, in my generation, has basically been 
be ready to be an emotional support and be a good mom. But none of it involved being financially literate and financially free. None of that. So that is a very big part. I want to say, shout it from the rooftops of why I also know I had a very big, like a canyon between where I am now and where I started. It was never like encouraged. It was never something expected. I'm so irate right now. <laughs> ah, because I remember like my mom was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I just give a punch to your dad. And then I remember one of my old roommates was saying that like, yeah, one of my musts for my partners is like, he must be, uh, must be financially literate. And it's just like, it's, I don't know, it's, just a, it's also kind of almost unfair. Like why put it on just the guy? Yeah. Like that's a lot. Why don't we just share this burden and just not call it a burden? Let's, let's share this game. Yeah, like, let's all be team player. Like everyone should know the rules and know how the game works. That way you are two effective players versus one. It's yeah. stupid. Also, anybody who watches I Love Lucy and you look back in the way that these these norms have existed, Ricky made the money and then Lucy was the spender. And then she'd always get in trouble because she's mismanaging the money. I'm like, Ricky, you dumbass. And then why aren't you like, why are you getting like punishing your wife when she's in charge of the finances? Clearly not doing a good job at it, but we wouldn't have a funny show. But like still, like it's just revealing of like the ways that these systems have or have not existed. And to me, it's not even an argument in terms of like what financial literacy and freedom have equivalent to each other. You could break this down, not even just by gender, but like by racial ethnicity, by just where you grew up geographically, your socioeconomic status, like what you're born into. There's like all this data around, like if you're born into this tax bracket, the likelihood that you will, you know, exceed your previous generations is like, yay. You know, there's like numbers to like dissect all of it. So I just don't think that we need any of these barriers anymore. I think people are, you know, by far and large, we are very well-meaning. We want to work hard. We want to earn money. We don't want to lose it. We don't want to get scammed. We want to have security for our families. Not everybody wants to be a, you know, CEO, eight, nine, 10 figure person. We just want enough to get by, you know what I mean? And like live our lives. So I, I'm not trying to gatekeep anything. That's why I'm like, I'm just going to be irate on air with you. Just call this stupid shit out. Like enough of is, en- is enough, in my opinion. Great. We're going to end the podcast angry. <laughs> That's bullshit. You know what? It's righteous anger, in my opinion. It's very valid. I think we should be mad. And I don't even like the word should. Mel, you know I hate that word. Well, not even that. Think about how many pads and tampons have you bought in your lifetime. And if you put that Thank away you. into the market, how much more money you can have? <laughs> luxury, <laughs> luxury tax. tax. <laughs> luxury tax. Luxury tax. And then all the things that are like not covered by insurance or the things uh, I just can't even break. Like the inequity. So many inequities. This is a math thing. It's not even about morality or whatever. Like the math says it. The numbers don't lie. That's what I love about math. That's what I love about numbers. They don't lie. They're very clear. It tells you where we, what we value and what we don't. You know what I mean? So I'm leaving that as food for thought on a semi-angry, but just really empowering note. That's hopefully my, (laughs) what I have established today. I'm getting like faint. I'm getting lightheaded. I'm so upset. I can't believe I didn't say any of that until the very freaking end. I'm so, what are you saying, Mindy Chang? You had to bring up the gender thing. But it was like, the th- I don't know. It's just like, to me, it's saying the sky is blue. 
but it needs to be said because it is a very, it's a very true thing. It is not the only strata in which there is oppression. I'm not saying that, but it is a very significant one. And there's a lot, I think that we do have a ways to go, significant ways to go to level this playing field, whatever that is. And there's a lot of things that are on the microscope right now about evaluating have we has the way things have been been the best way by and large some of them have been fine but like i always check i always like i'm checking the status quo because we're always changing and growing and women have been a huge component of the workforce a huge contributors to life itself since the beginning of time so like to disclude them is ridiculous that's inhumane that's oppression that's some that's some bullshit but um i don't want to end on that but that's those are my final thoughts on like the money conversation as of today. <laughs> I hope I'm I haven't upset you too much, Millie. I'm, I'm trying to pivot to a happy note. <laughs> no, I can pivot. No, 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 I can pivot. That's, I, I want to let you have the last word, but like, that's my last word. But I do have like, we can, we can end this on a positive note because I think we said at the top and I, I do think it was, I feel very empowered, which is why I'm yelling on my own podcast. Thank you, Millie. <laughs> um, but I'm doing lightning rounds at the end, just so that we can kind of regroup and like ground ourselves at the very end and leave everybody with something positive as we send them off. So are you ready for the the three questions, Melly, for our closing lightning round question session? Yes. Make me happy again. <laughs> okay. I'll make you happy. Melly, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for awesome people in my life, such as yourself. Oh, thank you. I did not pay or force Melly to say that for saying. Okay, question number two. What do you look for what are you looking forward to? Uh I am looking forward to weekends because I turn off and I go outside and it feels amazing. Good. I'm glad you hug rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and three, what would you what would you like to leave our audience with? What are your final words after I had my rant? <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I mean, like, and I mean that, I mean that sincerely, like no matter like where you're at, like financially, like it might be scary. It might be daunting. It might not, it might not be, but whatever your goals are, they're achievable. Just know Mm -hmm. intentionally what you want, what your why is, and then break it down into, uh, into smaller steps that are executionable and you can do it. Like the only like factor that is out of your control is time. Um, But as long as that's like, whatever you're working towards is what you want, you'll get there. Yes. See, we did it. We we ended on positive. I I will take that advice to heart, Millie. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I, I will also say, like, despite like there's this one beam that goes around where it's like, God, grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> which, <laughs> which I'm like, yes, yes, I want that. But at the same time. If I could do it over, no, I still choose to be female. I'll, I'll still choose to be who I am because I think it's fun. I think it's empowering. And it's kind of cool to be part of like whatever wave of change that we're moving into the next generation. Like, I think it's kind of cool to be a part of that. I love that. And I completely agree with you. Despite all my griping, I wouldn't change who I am. And I think like, honestly, this is so much fun that we get to take all of our hard lessons learned, Melly, and then turn that into something that can help anybody out there, whether it's our own generation, older or younger. Um, I'm just grateful for you. And I'm glad that you and I took the time to like share our stories 
because I think I genuinely, I've learned so much from being around you and like being open with you about something that's really tough. So I hope, I think we did that today. I'm really excited. I'm excited to see and know what will happen as a result of our good intentions. So thank you. I love you so much. I love you too. And you're awesome too. Um, Can you plug, we're going to leave a link for the blog again um, in the description and everything. We'll plug the blog. And also, can you plug yours and anything else that you want to leave um, so that we can find you? Of course. The blog for financial help is from zerosavings.com. Find me at mellylee.com. And also on Instagram, I am still mellylee underscore because I still have the stupid line after my name. (laughs) But we're committed to it. We're committed to mellylee underscore. Yes. Embrace the underscore. I love it. I love you, Melly. Thank you for being here for this conversation. I love you. Have a good day. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode, episode 165, season two, episode five, talk about personal finance and money with Melly Lee. Melly, thank you for being an incredible guest. I love you. Uh, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for tutoring me and being patient with me as I grow on my financial journey. And I hope that you guys will check out her blog and her partner's blogs, which we'll share in the links in the description and on the website, firstofallpod.com. So you guys can check that out, get educated, learn some things and continue your journey as you learn and become a financial badass. That is my wish for you. Go do it. Shout out to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Shout out to my producer, Anna Sun, and my social media marketing all-encompassing team, Juliana Deer. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. You can find First of All Podcasts on all the podcast platforms, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. Please leave a five-star review and follow along. It does help along with the algorithm and having people find it. Truly appreciate it, and it does help me out. And if you'd like to support the podcast, again, go to firstofallpod.com and find all the different ways to support, including Patreon. You can become a Patreon patron. Join our Discord community. Um, join our Hangouts once a month. And, you know, get a little card pulling for me. If you don't know what that is, you can look that up. But, yeah, I really appreciate the support. And thank you to my Patreon patrons. I love you guys so much. You guys have been such a great support system. And I couldn't be here without you. Our intro music was provided by Uzuhan, his song Uzu Trap. And this week's outro music is a little bit of a throwback with a twist. We have We Could Happen, the lo-fi version by AJ Raphael. Want to plug and congratulate AJ and his fiance, Alyssa. Love you both. Welcome to the podcast world. Y'all need to go check out their new podcast, Sweet or Savory Podcast, hosted by the two of them. The cutest. Cannot wait to listen. And so glad to have you guys in the podcast universe here with me in theory. I'm, I'm like waving around as if they're here, but... Really happy to have you, AJ. Thank you for letting us feature your music. Really proud of you. And also go check out the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. And go check out some really great stories and conversations over there. That's it for me this week. I love you guys so much. Have an amazing week. We'll be back with more stories and fun conversations very soon. Take care of yourselves. I love you. Bye.
Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.